The purpose of tonight, like I said, is fellowship. Another thing we're going to do is we're going to hear some testimonies. And one of the testimonies that's been fresh on my mind lately is the testimony of the Apostle Paul. I've talked about it with a few guys in one-on-one meetings, and Pastor Brian noted this recently in a sermon. Uh, In Philippians chapter 3 is one area where he gives an aspect of his testimony. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then he proceeds to give some of his background. He says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, which was an obedient tribe, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. In other words, he's listing his own credentials of what a good person he was and a religious person he was and how he was, if anyone had reason to boast in themselves, it would have been the Apostle Paul. And he says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. And if you read in Acts chapter 9, uh, Paul is miraculously converted uh, as he's on the way to persecute more Christians that were in the church. Uh, a persecutor of the church and as to righteousness under the, under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And guys, if you don't know Paul's testimony, I encourage you to dig into that in Acts really seven through nine. But what's really neat is that uh, we can read this and be encouraged by his testimony. And yet tonight we, in a sense, get to see the same thing. We get to see how God has reached down and saved sinners by his grace. He has transformed people from opposing him and from walking in a way that is contrary uh, to God and redeeming them and uh, setting them on a course that is glorifying to him. And so I'm super excited about tonight. We're going to have four testimonies, two from each group. Our first two testimonies are going to be Cade Berger and uh, Kyla Boschman. Uh, Cade's our high school student and Kyla is a Bible study leader in, um, in Cross Life. And so, um, Cade, if you want to come on up and kick us off, following that, we're going to have a couple more songs. So, Okay. Um, so, uh, I was born in Seattle. Um, only stayed for a year-ish. Uh, we moved to Belgrade, uh, which I don't really remember that much. So uh, then we moved to uh, Bozeman in, I think, 2004 or 2005. For most of elementary, I went to a one-room public schoolhouse, which really wasn't that public because it was um, super sheltered. Um, It was a super good education. There were super good friends there, teachers. Um, But I couldn't really do sports, so I had to go to Sacramento CJ to do um, basketball and soccer and track, and uh, which was good. It kept me sheltered um, for the most part. And then just along with that, there was youth group and Sunday school, of course, um, Bible studies. Um, I always went to youth group, but I didn't really know like why I was there and like what I was learning. I guess it never really meant anything to me. It was just kind of the motions and like what to do when people ask you um, why do you believe in Jesus and um, I mean there were different reasons that I went I mean I went for friends a lot friends in like games and food obviously and um, I learned the motions and and words like what to say and I understood what happened at the cross I, I it just didn't carry any significance to me I didn't 
care about it that much. Um, and I was saved uh, August 28th, 2011, um, actually at youth group when we, um, it was after a, a gospel message that, that uh, hit more home to me and I kind of just decided that it was, it was time to give my life to Christ. I just wasn't um, really sure what that meant. Um, but I was saved August 28th, uh, and then after that, um, eighth grade year, I went to CJ, which was almost immediately new challenges that I hadn't even seen in my, uh, almost private school. I mean, friendships were a huge challenge because there were, you know, 200 kids to, to be friends with. Who do I go to first, obviously? Um, uh, friendships, um, girls, I mean, obviously were a big challenge for me in eighth grade. Um, classes, uh, just time management, it all kind of hit super hard all at once and kind of freaked me out for a while. <laughs> um, and then freshman year was even worse challenge-wise just because it's a big high school. I mean, 2,000 people. Lots of um, immoral stuff happening. Um, girls, I mean, became even more of a challenge because it's high school and it's not middle school anymore. Uh, another thing was image for me, like how people saw me, how upperclassmen saw me. Um, when I was doing sports and stuff, I always wanted to, you know, get in with the big guys and like be friends and um that was just all I was caring about and I think I that it was just not a great time for me um but then uh the middle of freshman year I started swimming with the Hawks and uh that brought me closer to a lot of the friends that I needed to be closer with um people that go to Grace people that um go to E-Free, um, some pretty solid friends that I definitely needed to be more attached to um, than anybody else. And swimming started to focus me on uh, sports and grades rather than image and, and friendships and girls, obviously. Um, this swimming has been a big part of my life just because it takes a lot of time out of your life and just how it brought me closer to the friends that I needed. Um, sophomore year was a lot the same. I started club swimming year-round, um, which, I mean, I became even closer to those good friends. I had a steady input um, of Christ through the week. I had a, I had a Bible study. Um, I had a Bible study at, at uh, McDonald's actually two Bible studies at McDonald's. That's <laughs> why um, so I, was, I was frequently at McDonald's, clearly. <laughs> so, uh, and then just apart from that, like I had lunch every day with the swimming crowd, which was um, super solid. It wasn't, I mean, we usually stayed around the school and didn't, you know, it was super solid. Um, I had a mentorship, um, which really, just kind of boosted what I needed to do in the high school. 
um, and like my witness because there's so many people that I pass by every single day. And um, which kind of brings me to like right now, um, I'm just trying to uh, follow God's word and Christ's example. Um, trying to be a good witness in the high school with all the people that I interact with every day. I'm going to be a junior, and um, obviously God holds my future in His hands, and I'm praying that I can just trust Him with all that I have and uh, do what He tells me to do. Psalm 40.10 says, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and faithfulness from the great congregation. Psalm 9.1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I don't have time tonight to recount all the things God has done in my life, but I hope to share a few things in order that you will praise God for his deliverance and salvation and recognize his steadfast love and faithfulness. I was blessed to grow up in a family that loved the Lord. My dad is a pastor, so from a very young age, I was surrounded by the truth and people who lived out the truth. However, it was not until I was in seventh grade that I first began to understand the gospel, despite how many times I had heard it and seen it lived out. I began to understand the gospel through two verses my youth pastor's wife shared with me. John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And John 17.3, which says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. She shared with me that being a Christian had nothing to do with being faithfully involved in church, knowing a lot of facts about the Bible and Christianity, or even being loved by all the old ladies in church. But instead, it was a relationship with God, and it was knowing God. I really wanted this, so I began to pray every day, God, I want to know you. I cannot give a certain date when I became a Christian, but I do know that about a year later, I discovered that I had a changed heart. For the first time in my life, I wanted to spend time studying the Word of God, and I understood it like I hadn't before. I wanted to serve the Lord instead of helping in the church just because I was a good pastor's daughter, and that's what everyone assumed I was going to do. God had done an amazing work in my heart and showed me that I was a sinner. I had a rebellious heart that did not desire God or the things of God. I had a reputation of being the sweet, godly pastor's daughter, but my actions that led to that were all done in pride and selfishness, not because I had any desire to honor my creator. Although my sin may not have looked bad to those around me, it was enough to cause Jesus to die on the cross. My sin was what he died for. And if it hadn't been bad, he wouldn't have needed to die. Milton Vincent states, Indeed, the most humiliating gossip that could ever be whispered about me is blared from Golgotha's hill, and my self-righteous reputation is left in ruins at the wake of its revelations. But because of God's great grace, he saved me from my sin and changed my heart. However, he did not stop changing my heart or working in my life at that point. 
One of the areas I have seen this the most is as I have dealt with chronic headaches. Um, this means that I am in pain 24-7 and have been as long as I can remember. I started going to doctors when I was about 12 years old. For a long time, I assumed that any day I was going to run across the right doctor who would have the right solution and I would be pain-free again. However, this was not the case. By the time I started high school, I had been to so many doctors and promised so many things, never to see them happen. Um, I was at that time on a bunch of medications and I felt sick all the time. And my parents had told me they wouldn't let me go to high school with my friends because I was in the doctor's office too many times and so they continued to homeschool me instead. At that point, I had the option of trusting that God was good and choosing to believe him and trust him in that situation, or I could become angry and bitter. And I chose to become angry and bitter. The Bible clearly states that anger is sin. I was choosing not to believe God could use my trial. Sin, anger included, has a way of sucking all the joy and peace out of your life and making you miserable even when you're too stubborn to admit it. So I began to struggle with depression, which just fueled my anger. It was not until halfway through my second year of high school that I finally turned over my anger to God and repented of it. I went to visit a doctor that I hoped would okay a surgery that I had convinced myself would take away my headaches. Instead, I was told there was only a 20% chance that this surgery would actually help and that no brain surgeon in his right mind would be willing to perform it. I walked away with the realization that I might likely be in pain the rest of my life, and I knew I couldn't do it. So I finally cried out to God, Lord graciously help me to understand that I deserved nothing but his wrath. I rightly deserved death, and yet the God of the universe took my place, and he gave his life for me. Who am I? to tell God that his life isn't good enough, that he also has to take away my headaches. Although my headaches can at times be difficult, I know that I was created to serve and glorify God, something I can still do with my headaches. So if I can still do what God created me to do, it doesn't really matter whether I have headaches or not. Although I still struggle with my headaches, I have joy knowing that God's grace is enough. 2 Corinthians 12:9 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The Lord has always faithfully come through to give me the strength and grace I need when I need it for every situation I need it in, which may or may not always be the times and situations I think he should give me strength or relief from pain. Recently, God has been teaching me even more about reliance on him, a lesson I feel like I'm continually having to relearn. It is so easy for me to get caught up in doing all the right things, and I begin to try to earn God's favor on my own strength, as if I do not already have it. But the Bible tells us that even our good deeds, when done to try to earn our salvation or God's favor, are dirty rags. I try to work really hard on my own to present my own righteousness, denying to God, denying the fact that I already am fully clothed in Christ's righteousness. However, God is continually using my circumstances to show me my pride in this area. 
He has put me in situations where I'm forced to recognize that I cannot do it and I desperately need him. Through this, I've grown in the area of prayer, which has been a huge blessing. No matter how many times I feel as though I'm learning the same lesson for the hundredth time, or how many times I fail, I know God is still at work in my life. Philippians 1.6 says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. It's good singing with you guys. Uh, one of the truths that we just confirmed and sang uh, in our own hearts was the eternality of God. And it made me think of Romans chapter 1, verse 19, when Paul, speaking of those who don't believe, said, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. And you might ask, well, how has God shown it to them? In the next verse, he answers that question and says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. And as we look out and look at what God has made, I can't help but praise God. And it says in the next section that uh, they are without excuse. And creation is one of the ways that God has spoken to us about his divine nature, his eternal power. And as John Mon said last time we were together, another way that God speaks to us, that he testifies to us of his divine nature and his eternal power is through the testimonies of him calling his saints to himself, him changing uh, us. And so Kyla and Cade, thank you so much for those powerful testimonies, uh, so encouraging uh, for my own heart and soul. Guys, we got two more testimonies. The next two are Quentin from our college group and uh, Matthew from the high school group. They're going to come up and testify of uh, what God has done in their life. And then we'll sing one more song to close. So Quentin. Um, so I'm going to share my testimony. It's, I'm not a writer. You'll realize that immediately. Um, couple, couple heavy things in my life I'm going to share with you guys, but I, I encourage you afterwards, if you have questions or comments, uh, feel free to ask any of us about our testimonies, because we'd love to tell you guys. All right. So um, I was raised in a loving Christian home with parents who took me to church and encouraged me to read the Bible. They encouraged me, but never actually challenged me to examine myself to see if I was in the faith. Never truly realizing my need for the gospel, I played along, giving Sunday school answers and appearing as if I was a Christian. It was not until sometime around middle school that I'd found myself in a place of total dissatisfaction and emptiness. Pursuing relationships, being a successful athlete, and achieving banner grades seemed to be a lifeless and numb cause. One evening I attended youth group and heard the gospel in a new light. I realized that all my efforts to try and be a good person were absolutely pitiful in the eyes of God. Proverbs 21.2 reads, People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. And right there I knew my heart was wicked and sinful, and I had to face the eternal reality of that, which was hell. Then hearing that Jesus Christ had come to live the life I could never live, and die the death I could never die, to save me from eternal damnation, that thought pierced my heart. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For it is by grace through faith we have been saved. This is not by works, but it is a gift of God so that no one can boast. So for me, the choice was clear. 
Christ was offering me freedom and I needed to accept it. I then accepted Christ into my life and there were some visible changes. There was a desire for me to learn the Bible. There was a desire for me to live righteously. But at the same time, there was a desire for me, there was a desire in me to continue in my selfish sin. I lived a double-sided life for many years and I found myself plagued by doubts, pride, lust, anger, and confusion. I claimed to be a Christian, but if I was honest, my life seemed no different than the people around me. Fast forward a couple years to the summer before my freshman year of college, and I was working for my dad in Circle, Montana, um, and I was just really struggling. I, uh, I was taking some medicine for my ADHD, and unfortunately that medicine, have, that medicine was having the adverse effect on my brain, and it was causing me to be sleepless, and as a result, many other things in my life began to unravel. My parents were confused and scared because their son was acting dangerously strange. I managed to limp along enough to start my first semester of college, but somewhere in October, I wrecked while going down a hill on my ripstick and hit my head. I then panicked from anxiety and stress, and my parents had me take some time off school and be evaluated at a psych ward. This was where the doctors realized that I had been suffering from what is called amphetamine poisoning. Um, the road to recovery was slow and was humbling, but God, who managed who I managed to basically forget through this entire thing, was faithful to protect me and discipline me. Hebrews 12, 6 reads, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Uh, during that time, I was also in a relationship with a girl, and this relationship was basically um, unaware to anybody around me. But uh, that relationship began to grow more and more unhealthy, more and more sinful. Um, just, just a lot of selfishness, a lot of pride in there, um, and upon basically the Christmas break after my first semester, that relationship exploded, and the breakup was, um, it was, it was heart-wrenching for me. I was so distraught and depressed, I cried out in the words of David, against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So following this, God has begun to grow me in a passion to live for him in all things and to purify my life from all sin. Uh, Matt Tebow was talking about the testimony of Paul earlier, and I'm going to share a passage from that same chapter. This is Paul talking about immediately when he says, you know, Hebrew of Hebrews, um, tribe of Benjamin, all these things he says he counts them as loss. And this is what Paul's attitude is. And I think it's a very healthy attitude for all of us to have. This one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Hey. Um, Hi, Matthew. Uh, John Mon, dropping stuff. Um, John Mon asked me to uh, talk a couple days ago, I guess, and. Um, Basically, uh, I was born also in Washington, like Cade, um, and I've been born and raised in a Christian home um, and grown up going to a Christian school, going to Grace Bible Church most of the time. Um, we moved to Bozeman when I was three, and um, I don't know, I've always been surrounded by like Christian influences and stuff like that, but um, I never, or I guess, I, in, when I was in elementary and stuff, I never like really was a Christian. I thought of a, myself as a Christian, but I didn't really care about Christ. Um, 
And then when I was, when I was five, uh, my mom died. Uh, she committed suicide. Um, and that like hit me pretty hard um, because it was kind of like, why would God let something like that happen to me? Um, and it really made me start to wonder like about trusting God. Um, and that kind of just continued for a long time in my life um, until probably around after fifth grade year, um, Mr. Van Zee was my teacher that year at Heritage Christian. Um, and he, his mom died that year too. And it was cool how much like we were able to encourage each other through that. Um, we started meeting for like several lunches, I guess, during the school year. Um, and we talked a lot about um, what, like why, how we don't know what God has in store for us, I guess, and what his plan is. Um, but whatever it is, I mean, he's trying, he's trying to bring us closer to him and that's his ultimate goal. Um, and so that really started, I started thinking about it. I still wasn't really like too into Christianity, I guess. I gave all the Sunday school answers, um, especially since I went to Heritage Christian. Um, and it was really good, that whole Christian education, just like knowing all of those facts. Cause like later on, after my freshman year, um, I moved to BHS and that hit me super hard. Cause it was like, Heritage Christian is a super good um, learning experience for like about Christianity and stuff, but it's also very sheltered. And then going to BHS my sophomore year was super rough because um, there's like a whole bunch of new temptations, I guess, um, that are there and that I hadn't experienced and hadn't like anticipated. Um, but it was so cool to see how much God like brought other people into my life to encourage me through that. Because um, I'm still going to youth group and stuff like that, and I had so many good friends from that. Um, and from the swim team, I had been swimming for a long time too. Um, and how many like Christian friends he had at swim team that also like went to school with me and then um, just went to the same church as me as well. And it was so cool to see how many people he brought into my life then. Um, and I don't know, through just, it's been a gradual increase, I guess, since, since then and just like loving and trusting God. Um, I became saved probably around that time around freshman year, um, like actually truly saved. Um, and it was, there you go. Um, it was, uh, it was so, it was such a relief to be able to know that God had a plan for my life. Um, because I kind of just felt like there, there are so many other things in my life that I could distract myself with and not even like think about, um, God or Christianity or anything like that. Um, and so that's what I did for a long time. And then once I became saved, it was like, um, it was so nice to know that God had a plan for me and that we don't understand a ton of things that are happening in life. Um, but he still can use that and he does use that for his good and for our good. Um, and a couple of verses that helped me, um, Philippians, I think it's in Philippians four, um, one, it says, uh, four, six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, and that helped me so much just to know that I could pray about like anything I wanted and God, um, God knows and understands and he gives peace through that. Um, and he might not give exactly what we want, but, um, he gives what's best for us which is so much better than what we want, I guess. Um, and then I guess just going through like sophomore and then past junior year, um, it's been cool to see how much God has been like 
helping me. Um, he's given me a ton of different Bible studies and things to go to, surround me by Christian friends. Um, and then my dad has been a super good influence as well, just always staying um, there for me and um, making sure that I'm on the right track and not letting me go off um, and do whatever I want to do, I guess, in my own sinful desires. Um, and I've had a, mentor, or a couple of mentorships, one with Mr. Van Zee and then one with John Mon. Um, and it's so cool to see, like, um, going through, like, Heritage Christian, I knew, I knew all the answers, I guess, but um, just being mentored by these two people, it's, like, shows me how much I don't know and how much I don't apply, I guess. Um, and it's been so cool to see God grow in me and um, Him, like, break me down and then mold me from there. Um, and then, I guess, a verse that's also been helping me a lot uh, in Philippians 3 still uh, he says, it's the same one that Quentin said, um, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me.